Welcome to the Murder We Watched podcast. Tonight's episode, Funeral at 50 Mile. I live, I've moved all around, and I'm about to move again for the 10th time in six years. Wait, you're not in LA? No, I'm in Austin. Jake, I could have been friends with this person the whole time. <laughs> this isn't on me. I'm this so is, alone. Don't, don't, don't. And you've denied me friendship. I'm not a friend, Carnival Barker. I'm not, here ye, here ye, come here, come on all. He should be. Play to get a friend, play to get, throw the ring to get a friend. I'm the first tier item. I'm not like the giant teddy bear option. I'm like the- I gotta play twice. Give my prize back. It's like when someone says, you want to double or nothing? No, I'll just cash out now. That's fine. <laughs> all right, shall we? I got, I got my notes. I'm ready to go. This was... <laughs> there was okay. no other way we could have ended this first season. There's a billion different ways. No, this is the way we specifically had to end it. In fact, there probably was a different end of season one, but then they found out we were doing the show and released the lost episode of season one <laughs> just to really freak with us. All right, let me get the script the script out of the way. Uh, hello and welcome to Murder We Watched, a podcast where episode by episode we break down the 1980s crime serial Murder, She Wrote, a show catered explicitly for elderly fucks. My name is Jake. And my name is Spencer. Today we are joined by my dear friend, Jeffrey Solomon. Jefferson, how are you, buddy? Hey, hey, I am great. I didn't know we had Tony the Tiger on our show. Oh, my <laughs> God. What a celebrity guest. I'm just so excited to talk about this. I'm so, yeah, I'm fascinated to know what you think because, not to spoil it, but I didn't I didn't much care for a lot of this ep- this particular one. This was a rough one. So, I, yeah, I'm excited to break it down. Well, I've listened to every episode of your podcast, so I'm definitely in, in the mind of, like, how to watch this show. That said, it did take me two viewings to get through. <laughs> I could not stand to so do you, it in you one watched sitting. It. You watched, okay, so I was going to say, I thought you were going to say I watched it twice and I was going to say, how are you still breathing? <laughs> no, I, uh, I had to split it up into two sessions. I, I was so bored out of my mind. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Snyder Cut version of this, yeah. a five-hour long version of Funeral at 50 Mile. Jessica says, fuck Batman. Fuck Batman. Gives a finger to the camera. <laughs> You've listened to the show, but I, I am curious. Do you, Other than that, do you have any history with Murder, She Wrote? I, as a child, had a issue um telling the difference between a show that took place in the past and a show that wasn't the past so (laughs) what i mean by that is like you watch the wonder years and it takes place in the 60s but it was filmed in the 80s and i couldn't tell the difference and i thought it whatever something took place was when it was shot um that said when i would see the (laughs) The murder she wrote, I did not understand anything because it was still airing at the time I was a kid, but at the same time I would see reruns where it was in the past and I did not understand how to like meld those two concepts together. So my only memory of murder she wrote is not understanding if Angela Lansbury was playing herself and she was an author and it was in the 60s, 80s, or 40s. Because also I thought she might be Agatha Christie, uh, was another name that I'd heard of, who was a mystery writer. So I thought maybe they were the same person and it was all real. <laughs> so no, I've never seen the show, but I was very aware of it and incorrectly aware of it. That's perfect. I think that's a really good summarization of how most people's relationship with the show is. Wow, I thought it was one thing and it was not. 
I thought it was the adventures of Agatha Christie. (laughs) And there's also something to say that the show really is an amalgamation of the 40s, 60s, and 80s mentality just shoved right into this. Just new decade every episode. I thought we were in the 50s, like Gunsmoke era with this episode. I thought we were in the 1800s with some of these. Du- the dusters they're Just wearing like Oregon their Trail, Wyoming. Oregon Trail, Jessica. Fuck. I also love Quantum Leap, which is like a contemporary show where they do jump around a lot. So there's like I, I have a visual recognition of like the sets they use in these different time periods because they reuse them, you know, across all these CBS shows. Uh, although Quantum Leap was NBC. I don't want to confuse anybody. But thank you. Um, thank you. There's like a lexicon visually of like these old houses they use as sets, and it's so fascinating to watch such a terrible show <laughs> take place in the same <laughs> surroundings as a much better show. Yeah, yeah. I I love that's such a good. Like I felt like we had been in this room before. I felt like we've seen this set a billion different times. We've seen this farm. We've probably seen it in the show already. I know we've had a couple farmhouse episodes, so well, it's got to be in the in the thirty mile zone, right? <laughs> so it <It's> probably got- <laughs> has been. Uh, yeah, this episode takes place in quote unquote Wyoming, but really, we all know it's the Burbank Hills where they have a. <laughs> uh, my other curiosity too is, I guess you kind of know what the show is about you from you guys, yeah, from the Arsh from Murray Watch, but you also said it still did not prepare you for this experience. <laughs> so- so my first so question bored. is about that smash cut. You know, the shots you have not seen yet and are going to see, and this is definitely not a last time on Murder, She Wrote. Right. How did you feel, like, finally, and seeing the opening intro of her jogging and the music, what, what was your, <laughs> what were the emotions? The flash cuts, I just totally zoned out. I was like, I'm not paying attention to any of this, because one, I don't want to be spoiled on the mystery, and two, none of it fits together. It was like watching the next week on Mad Men clips, where it's just like, you didn't say that. I don't understand. We need to fix this. And it's like, none of these connect. None of these conversations connect. What did he say? None of this has anything to do with me. Let's have dinner. It's already done. Would you just look at it? What the hell's going on in here? We have a situation. I'm sure there's some great YouTube clips of like the next week on Mad Men because it's just nonsense. And something like Mad Men, you have the context of the episodes before it. It's this longer narrative arc. So maybe if you're following along, you'd be like, we need to fix this. You're like, oh, that could be the Kruger right. deal. I mean, that's, for this, that's it's a... like, I can't believe you did this. And you're like, I don't, I don't know who this character is. What did they do? I'm not a typewriterist. But the manuscript she seems to be finished with at the end seems very short. It's only like a hundred pages. It looks like. Well, she's she pumps these books out. Like it, we've only had twenty three episodes now, and it's I, I would guesstimate. Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. She's probably published twelve books now at this point. I think give or take. Yeah, like how much time has passed? I think she is truly like paperback writer style, just pumping them out. You never see her actually writing one. No. No. We, no, well, we've had we've had a couple episodes where she's like, we had one of the early episodes she starts to write, but Ethan Craig, our rest in peace, or one, my boy, oh. sleep well, number one alcoholic. Uh, he's like banging on some pipes and doing plumbing, so we never see her actually write. She's trying to write, and she gets distracted. So, Ethan, Ethan, I'm sorry, I'm trying to write. That's all right. You're not disturbing me. 
and then there's the other one where she's she always is writing in her kitchen. This room that we see her in the opening writing, that room doesn't exist in her house. She only writes in her kitchen. That's what we have seen in the past. Uh, the episode we're talking about today is Funeral at 50 Mile. Season 1, episode 23. This is the finale of season 1. We fucking made it. We made it, boys. We did it. You're 115th of the... How many seasons is there? 12 seasons. There's 11 times what we've done already. Plus the tie-in books and the point-and-click adventure video games. <laughs> Tonight on Murder, She Wrote. It wasn't the hanging that killed him. A blow on the head. <coughs> Reggie, you're right. It's on the way back into town. There is no will. What a mess to have on my deck. Whatever it was, it must have been juicy. You are not real welcome around here. Ranchers used to hang a dead wolf on a fence as a warning to other thieving farmers. I do believe I'm making someone nervous. After attending the funeral of Jessica's old friend Jack Carver, his Wyoming property becomes up for grabs and there's a will at stake. And a person claiming to have the actual ownership to the will is mysteriously hung in a farm and outsets Jessica to solve who killed him. Hanged. When when it's a murder, you Sorry. hang someone. Hanged. The man was hanged. You know, I've but from listening to the show, I know usually Jessica's related to someone at the opening of these plots. I think because of the will aspect, they couldn't do that. So they just made her like some tangential friend. But it's like, how does Jessica know so many goddamn people? This episode, I think, is the biggest culprit of this exact same issue where I think for the first 20 minutes, I didn't know or didn't put together why she was there outside of maybe knowing the guy who died at the beginning. But no one explicitly says it. And until the linchpin of everything. She overstays her welcome so significantly. I wrote down, I keep waiting for someone to turn to Jessica and just say, would you please leave? Like, (laughs) what are you doing here? At the ranch, the ranch house, because essentially there's this funeral for Jack and everyone's there they're in mourning and then they have like the after the wake or the after the after party like a, of the funeral more goes by before the end of the episode but she's staying in a guest room of this ranch house the room she's staying in is she's in like the master bedroom or something <laughs> like if that's the guest room what is the master suite like yeah she <laughs> do you think off screen she is like forcing like hey if I'm gonna I'm so sorry about the loss of our friend Jack I'm going to stay in his fucking room, though, so... <laughs> she doesn't know anyone else is is the thing. She's like, introduces herself, and other people are like, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm just like, why? Why? Because <laughs> she, she knows, she talks to the daughter, Mary, as if she's known her her whole life. I remember when you were born. He's one hell of a man. I remember when you were born, Mary, hearing that your mother had died in childbirth. We were so worried wondering how Jack was going to manage all alone. Well, he did fine, just fine. Certainly did. What, when did they all live together in the same town? She lives in Cabot Cove. It's clearly <laughs> this ranch property in Wyoming. I don't know if you guys knew this. Maine and Wyoming are not close together. I got my globe right here. It's at least two fingers. That's that's pretty far. 50 miles. That's at least 50 miles. <laughs> I mean, she's a good jogger. I don't know if she can... She, she ran with Forrest Gump on his journey across America. <laughs> I'm pretty tired. Think I'll go home now. Yeah, I thought, yeah, this was probably the laziest attempt to get her involved with the plot. 
Well, and in this in this funeral, the pastor doing the funeral thankfully introduces us to all the characters we need to know about. Yeah. By saying he will yeah, be that was so that was so kind of him. He will be missed by these people, and he just starts naming them off. But then it cuts to Jessica, and he doesn't say her name. Like it's cutting <laughs> to all the people we see all the characters, and then there's the cut in like a medium. It's like a bat mitzvah when everyone gets a candle, and they come and <laughs> like uh, for candle number four, I want to thank my uncle and his wife. Shamor, <laughs> please celebrate with is it always rhymes and they come up and it's like, everyone gets a little shout out because <laughs> you need to like thank them for their lush present uh so then we'll cut to like 50 minutes into the episode the murder's <laughs> no, revealed no, I don't know. <laughs> no. sorry I'm kidding, I'm kidding I'm kidding no there's like this it's like a military burial because they were all war buddies this shot where they fold the flag is damn near the the entire length of the episode because they have the you know the American flag on the casket and then they literally spend the whole time watching every fold of the flag. That's when I knew we were in trouble for got, this episode. You got to pad that runtime, baby. We got to reach fifty minutes. There's four retired army veterans who were friends of this posthumous Jack. Uh, we have his daughter Mary. We have. Two people that show up randomly, they're kind of these highfalutin, high-tootin' folk that show up late and everyone seems a little pissed at them. And they are characters. I wrote down, I wrote down, once again, Jake, yet another Doug Dimmodome, as well (laughs) as his his not-wife, maybe-so-wife, New Mexico Dolly Parton. I wrote Dolly Parton, too. (laughs) I wrote Turquoise Dolly Parton. You don't know my wife, do you, Bill? Sally, this is Bill Carmody. I reckon he's the nearest thing to a business tycoon they got down here in 50 Mile. It's real nice meeting you, Bill. My pleasure, ma'am. Carl, don't figure on making this a long visit. You are not real welcome around here. Uh, so they show up, and that's kind of our... That's our main list of characters. Mary has a boyfriend or husband. Oh, husband-to-be. He- husband, husband-to-be. Fiancé. But there's so many characters outside of uh, Mary... I didn't remember a single name. And then at the end, which I won't spoil anything, but at the end, there's so many people involved. I'm just like, were you all in this episode? I don't remember. Do you think the writer was like, fuck, I didn't think who about who did it. I have no idea. Oh, fuck. I wrote all the way up to the ending. I don't know who did it. Well, Maybe I'll just make- as the Mighty Mighty Boston's what said, that's the impression that I get. That's the impression that I get. Because uh, I truly, I, I agree with that sentiment. They're, the first two thirds make no lick of sense. There is some insinuation about who it might be, but then they literally go, you know, tur- hydro thunder turbo speed and decide to like, quadruple down on, we don't know what we're doing, so let's literally throw the kitchen sink and the kitchen and the horrible foyer into this plot. And also, like, none of it builds up to some sort of earned conclusion. It's made to believe there's this this secret about something to do with Mary's father. He has no will, but then there is a will because Doug Demidone guy, whose name is Carl Meston, he says, well, I've got the will and I'm supposed to have the property. You're not a friend of mine. I don't want you in my house. You had a problem, Miss Carver. This house ain't yours no more. Yeah, I got your daddy's last will and testament right in here, ma'am. Well, that's not possible. You better believe it is, Sam. Lady gets enough to start over somewhere. But this land, the cattle, and this house, it all comes to me, buddy boy. You're a liar, Mr. Meston. But that doesn't make sense because everybody hates this guy. Why does he get to get the will? It's because there's some dark secret. There's this looming secret. The lawyer is there. 
and specifically says there is no will, I'm dead guy's lawyer. If you were to have a secret will, you would still involve your attorney because you have like client privilege there. Uh, can you just show up with a will? Doesn't that need to be like witnessed or notarized like, or something? It's not like middle school where you can forge your parents' signature. Like <laughs> yeah, how, did he, I, <laughs> how did he pull this off? I just drew a line from the F sideways and now it's an A. Did you guys ever do that? Like, just like I was going to say, that brings me right. Do you think it was like a middle school contract where it was like between friends of like, I want your whole oil property. Sign here <laughs> yeah. to confirm we're going to beat the fuck out of each other later. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is that no, I'm just kidding. They just they just cut straight to beating my ass. Oh. Um. <laughs> so yeah, they go to this sort of party afterwards. Uh, Jessica also meets uh, somebody who's very important, which is the sheriff. Love this. He's our detective lieutenant character. He's our sheriff this, marshal this detective lieutenant character. This bumbling sheriff who can't be bothered to solve crimes. <laughs> no matter. No woman could have done in Meston anyhow. Not the way he got it. I'm not sure that that's true. Works for me. The way I see it, everybody's accounted for except Art Merrick. He's just so annoyed by everyone. We'll get there after there's a body, but he just hates his job. Yeah, he's dollar bin. He's dollar bin John Wayne. I wrote down. Honestly, my favorite part of the episode was him, and for no other reason than he had one percent of personality. I think he's the most interesting performance and character at play. I also didn't care for him. I just was like, oh, this is paint by the numbers, bumbling idiot. I only shoot first, then I ask questions right. later. I was, I was trying not to jump ahead on this guy, but he also just like outright does not want to solve any mystery right and he's not right. like in a conspiracy or something or it's like it goes to the top but he's just like uh it was that guy and jessica's like i don't think so she's like, and he's just like come on lady i already solved it <laughs> meston was struck on the back of the head on the left side which would indicate a left-handed killer but art is right-handed and of course there's a motive oh what motive well that's just the thing mr merrick doesn't have one you get the ranch back for mary and for himself when he marries her you people really know how to gang up on a fella. You know it? So yeah, we, we get some... He shows up. People are not happy he's there. Uh, Mary's husband-to-be character gets in his face. You know, very important moment to happen in the scene. Uh, Doug Dimidone and Turquoise Dolly Parton have an arm wrestling competition for some reason. Drinking, poker, arm wrestling, especially arm wrestling. Why don't you just shut your mouth, Sally? Just because I let you win last couple of times. What? You let me win? I whipped your tail, buster. I got 500 since I can do it again right here now. Such a normal thing to do with your wife at a party. <laughs> it's like the crux of the, episode. the major part it's of the, the reveal of, of the episode. It's it's first so, off an awkward beat where they're doing an arm wrestling at a at a post funeral uh, get together. Wake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's do it on the coffin. That'll be a good surface. <laughs> let's do shots of so tall and. So he shows up, people are upset, there's arm wrestling, and a storm rolls in. And by storm, I mean the sprinklers kicked on on the set because the sun is shining very clearly on this warm California day. <laughs> when they go out, they're like, oh, God, we got to batten down the hatches with the horses and the ranch. And they go outside, and it's perfectly sunny. It's but they're the just it's, it's, some, it's like a bunch of PAAs off camera kicking dirt <laughs> to seem like there's wind happening. This is the most anemic storm I've ever seen. Cut to a few hours later, Carl Meston is found hanged. Yeah. You know, and in the barn. Because he was drunk and going to help them for some reason. He's he's very familiar. That's the other thing, too. There's this insinuation he's very familiar with the property. Like, he knows his way around. I hanged. was so bored. I didn't catch any of this. 
<laughs> all of these are like here are the normal pieces that are important to set up a time frame and to set up a clue and to set up oh none of it mattered. sorry I, I just got a huge news bulletin none of it mattered it was really shocking to see the body though i wasn't expecting that from murder she wrote. oh yeah and they keep it in the background for a long time. And they even yeah, mentioned at the commercial like, break when the sheriff marshal guy shows up and she goes, well, I had to keep it the way it was to preserve so you could see it. And the, the marshal says something like, yep, rootin I see it. Anyway, get him, get him, get Let's get him shoot down. him down. Start yeah. shooting at the rope <laughs> until we get him down. And in, in the barn shot, Jessica just starts going full sleuth mode and like exposition dump sleuth mode. I mean, there's nothing he could stand on or jump off. I mean, it couldn't be suicide, has to be murder. Although it does seem that the, that the killer did try to pull that very large bale of hay over there closer to the body, probably to suggest suicide. Yeah. Either he was frightened off or maybe he just changed his mind. Yeah, I can see that. I thought this oh, was yeah, one, of the, like, one of the most poorly written boop, versions boop, of this boop, exact boop, boop. sequence. And She fact, notices everything. I, think I more appreciate when we see her like picking up on little things and keeping it to herself to like log it in her brain to like figure it out later. She In this episode in particular, the writing was so bad it was just her exposition dump well clearly this happened to him and look at that did you notice that and like no we didn't because we didn't get any cutaway of that we didn't see any of that you're just telling an episode of psych it would zoom in and highlight it with a flashlight well they they mentioned like he got struck over the head and that probably what killed him first was this blunt like force object to his head no no such mark is on his head (laughs) when they cut to the shot of him well it makes it for a less interesting mystery if she just like makes up the clues like you don't have an opportunity to observe any of that on your own you just have to listen to her tell you all the our suspects go inside this ridiculous gaudy ranch house and then the sheriff is like what's all your alibis everyone gives their alibi the four army vets give their alibi they account for each other we all went outside batting things down I went over by the stables with Bill here. Yeah, Sheriff. We were moving horses out of the corral into the stable. I was at the stable, too. There was some feed stacked up in the front, and I moved it inside to keep it dry. What about Doc? Oh, well, Doc was over at the other side of the compound. He was closing up the garage building. And then a bunch of that, uh, other people's alibi was, I was asleep. In fact, I don't know if you guys knew this. Jessica's alibi is the worst alibi. I was in my room getting rid of jet black. Well, ladies, it seems that we're the only ones who can't corroborate our alibis. Awful lot of sleeping going on. Which made me think at one point, oh my God. (laughs) She knew all the facts of the murder very quickly. (laughs) And her alibi was, well, I was asleep. From jet lag. This goes to my, yeah, her jet lag. This goes to my further theory. Jessica Fletcher creating murder situations in order to write her book. I mean, she is like a black widow. Like, death just follows her around. <laughs> like, she was yeah. there for a funeral. Okay. But then there's also a murder? Like, the funeral wasn't the murdered guy? It's another person who's been murdered? Oh, uh, this show. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the sheriff marshal thinks, the only person that he thinks it's not accounted for is Art, which is the husband-to-be, by process of elimination. You know, right. he's like, I choose good? you. Everybody's accounted for except Art Merrick. Art wasn't anywhere near this place. He went over to check the dam of that watering pond over by the buttes. He got stuck in the mud on the way back. So yeah, he gets arrested, and of course Jessica goes to the jail to defend him with lawyer man. You're like, why? It, it was a left-handed person. He's not left-handed, therefore you're wrong. Case uh, closed. Case closed. Case closed. To submit your case to Judge Joe Brown to download sample documents or to find out how the law can work for you, go to judgejoebrown.com. Mary goes and then while this is happening, she's like making out with him 
in through the prison oh, bars. Through the bars. That was so gross. And they mentioned Why? like we just had a conversation while you were over there and like you guys were not talking. You guys were deep throating each other. What if how they communicate is by like you talk onto each other's mouths so your tongues like our Morse code to each other. So it's other. like an Think avatar it. type, like t- like uh, tail the fucking tail. situation. So tail tether, yeah. <laughs> so the sheriff gets PO'd that Jessica's essentially calling him out for not, you know, trying hard enough. He's so annoyed that he has to investigate further. <laughs> and he deals with this by leaving his own office. He's he's not like get out of here. He goes, I'm gonna leave, and he huffs and puffs off. He's like that GIF from uh, Wet Hot American Summer, where Paul Rudd like doesn't want to pick up his food. Andy, are you going to clean that up? Oh, yeah. I will. Um, I just got... I don't have time right now. Jessica goes to the doctor's office because what we learn is the coroner said, no, he was hanged and then someone hit him, which the doctor said it was not. It was the other way around. So there's just a lot of whatever scenes start happening. What, what kind of sucks about these in-between scenes is there really isn't much revealed. That's why it's so boring. It's a very boring episode, and I think this is like, let alone knowing it's a finale, let alone knowing it's the, the start of 11 more to go. <laughs> like, Yeah, there's nothing really revealed. There's no moving pieces. The only thing we kind of get is when she does visit the doctor's office, we hear that someone else had tried to sneak a peek at files. And so Jessica is not allowed to see them, uh, nor should anyone be allowed to see medical files. No. <laughs> She's like, can I just sneak a peek? It's like, no, bitch. Get well, out of here. Well, Jeff, it is kind of surprising because usually she does get her way and gets the file she's not <laughs> supposed to see. She's gotten phone records before. She's gotten inside scoop on like costume designs from like, the film set episode. Just we by did. asking politely. She usually just gets what she wants. And I think to Jake's point, like not goofy enough, not sleuthy enough, not clever enough. And doggone it, people like me. It literally is like the lowest of the low quality of all possible categories it could have been the other thing we learned certain i keep jump we keep jumping from the plot because <laughs> there isn't one good <laughs> there isn't one the only other reveal we learn is that it could be left-handed or a right-handed murderer so the murderer is either ambidextrous or multiple people but jessica's very committed to it being ambidextrous <laughs> <laughs> dead set on it we find this out specifically because at night when jessica's in definitely not the guest room master bedroom she hears a noise at the window and she goes and looks out at it and there's a noose <laughs> Right-handed news. This is my this is my only bumbling humor hour <laughs> candidate because this is the clip that happens as the cliffhanger for the supercut. She sees the noose and goes, I do believe I'm making someone nervous. I do believe I'm making someone nervous. <laughs> what? Ooh. She's like, ooh, a little, a little more action-y. Maybe she's just happy something's happening, finally. I, th- I thought it was weird that she bit her lip when she saw the noose. Well, and it, the noose is <laughs> apparently tied by a right-handed... Which is, is that a thing? You can r- tie a knot left or right-handed? Well, to be fair, she is friends with Ethan Craig, who is a seafaring man, who does tie <laughs> knots occasionally. She seems intolerable. I think we skipped something, or I wrote my notes Good. down out of order, but... Uh, she insists to the sheriff that he needs to arm wrestle uh, Arizona yes. Dolly Parton. I really, I really want to emphasize, and Jake, I hope you will edit in the line read here, the awkward way that she tells the sheriff to arm wrestle this lady. Might be a good idea to challenge Sally Meston to an arm wrestling contest. I think you'd find it illuminating. 
Well, the last thing with the, the arm wrestling, too, is the wife could not be the suspect because she's left-handed, but also that she wasn't married. They were unofficially married. And For her to get her, the will, so she, she had to get married, but then he died, so she can't get the will. But so she has a weird barber. No, the bracelet is not new, because there is a farmer's hand on where the bracelet was But also that she wasn't married. We also skipped over the uncle supposed to buy the farm, which is like what makes him a suspect. Who? The uncle. There's an uncle. The eyebrows man. The weird white eyebrows yeah, play, man. Played by the guy from The Thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ranchers used to hang a dead wolf or a coyote on a fence as a warning to other thieving varmints. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot. And when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! Well, that kind of leads into what this part of the episode that we normally do, which is who did the killing. I, I, I'd be curious to know for you guys, did you have a thought about who it might be? I did point? not care. <laughs> I did not harbor a guess. <laughs> that that I is was an understandable so answer. That's fair. I thought it was the doctor. There was one line earlier that I thought was going to come back where they're talking about the wine they're drinking. I haven't had dandelion wine in ages. <laughs> you know, you can prescribe for me any day, Dr. Wallace. <laughs> it's like, that's so oddly specific that that has to come back. Nope. Yeah, I also thought it was the doc. Doc, because you're right. There's all these like scenes we get of him that don't really mean anything and that tells us he's going to be tied into the end like when she goes to his office why would he lie about the autopsy about what that like the cause of death doc what was it that meston got out of your file you knew about that carl learned something he shouldn't have in your files was that the secret you're hiding from mary that uh, was part of it yeah, the, the doctor also us. follows her out to the murder barn. Which <laughs> usually, the murderer tries to murder Jessica too. Well, but to like, your point, Jeff, like it wraps up after that. It wraps up so quickly, as if it was all meant to be. Jessica suddenly now knows everything. The doc is sitting alone in the kitchen by himself, and she she's like, "You're left-handed, doc. I noticed that before. Very left-handed. Ambidextrous, I ain't." And what she's insinuating is it's not doc. It is him, but it's also the other three army guys. So here you are, Uncle Tim, Doc, Sam, and Bill. Four men who added up to one tall, strong, ambidextrous killer. Jessica, if you care anything for Mary. Of course I do, Tim. If only the sheriff had challenged everyone to a lynch knot tying contest, <laughs> then perhaps he would have solved it. But... Well, that's how she assumes it's not ambidextrous, it's... One person's left hand and one's right hand. So all of them, like somebody blunt forced him left handed and then someone tied the noose right handed. I thought it was going to be like a, a Vincent adult man from Bojack Horseman, all of them in a trench coat standing <laughs> on top of each other's shoulders as a very tall, like 12 foot or 15, 18 foot man. What's your name, stud? Vincent of adult man. Vincent adult man. You hear that, Bojack? Vincent is an adult. So yeah, she goes to the barn and they're they're all as if they were waiting for her. Why were they together here in the barn? Because they were like... I took it as like, this is where they commune almost. I thought, yeah, like, I thought they were they practicing just... for their barbershop quartet. Oh, 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 goodbye my Coney Island baby. She goes to confront all four of them in the barn to find out the terrible secret they've all been hiding. The most... Which, insanely complicated an ending none of us thought was ever going to be tethered to this story 
Mostly because none of this is set up. Or makes sense. The reveal is Carl Meston, the man who was killed, uh, raped Mary's mother, and Mary was the child. My brother Jack, he raised that child like it was his own. His one great fear was that Mary would find out the truth about her birth. And so to protect Mary from knowing that secret, they were going to kill Carl, who had remained a so like he, hidden... He worked on the ranch. He worked on the ranch, and he became this like hidden figure in the town where no one knew where he went or what happened after this happened, after the he birth. He changed his name, and then also... like Well, first they were going to kill him. Like when they he found out he had name, raped her... but remained in this town. <laughs> <laughs> this small town in Wyoming. He heard about her being born because he never moved away. Well, he also, too, they were going to kill him, but the guy, like, the actual, the guy who died originally, I forgot Carl. his name. Jack. Jack didn't want to <laughs> kill him, didn't want to kill him because it was the wrong thing to do. They go to this, this, like, grainy, like, sepia flashback of them trying to hang him. We told ourselves we, we only wanted to scare him, get him to quit his claim to the ranch. Just sat there on that horse laughing at us, saying we didn't have the guts. And then there was this... Enormous lightning flash. The horse ran and bolted. Carl's neck was broke. They didn't murder him, y'all. Uh, they were pretending to murder him. Uh, they put him on a horse. They were going to put the, the noose around his neck. And he's apparently laughing. I he, thinks this. It's, he thinks it's fucking hilarious. And then all of a sudden, because remember the storm? The storm. A lightning strikes and spooks the horse. And the horse moves and goes under him. And he chokes and dies because it breaks his neck. So really it was not them. It was a horse murder. Wow. I was so distracted by them revealing that he decided to live the rest of his life in the town full of people who tried to murder him that I did not, I did not hear this detail that the murder was an accident. I thought they did it on purpose. They were going to, they were going to do it on purpose, but to their luck, the horse did it. Yeah. Also, again, much like the earlier scene where they show his hanged body, they very much are depicting a lynching in this scene, which I am not prepared for on Murder, She Wrote. Oh, it's we went from jarring. wholesome Wyoming town to rape and lynching. Real quick. And they say it multiple times. It's not just like a throwaway line. Uh, what so a- that's the ending. Well, no, the ending is Jessica's like, okay, and walks away. Well, she says... So what happens next? And you and they all kind of like stand imposing and the music gets a little intense like, oh, fuck. No, they're going to kill Jessica. And they say, no, we're going to turn ourselves over to the police. We'll go to the sheriff. Tell him what happened. Stand trial. I don't know what a jury will say. We'll even go to jail if it comes to that. Boy, I'm bad at paying attention. I thought she let them all go. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Well, she kind of does. There's always this Jessica confronts killers alone. With no sense of something dangerous might happen to her. And there is a potential moment of, oh, no, are they going to do harm to well, her? Well, I think that's part of the, like, old person audience fantasy is that, like, I'm still very capable. I could fight five older men if they were imposing on me. Honestly, <laughs> I think even Angela Lansbury now at 95 years old could kick my ass. But there's no way on God's green earth Mary will ever know the reason why. Not from any of us. Nor from me, Sam. She's been hurt enough already. And that's the finale. That's how our five-month first <laughs> season experience ends. God. 
I don't know how to like. This is probably one of the top three. Look, oh, look at our nice fancy audio bow tie we're gonna do here. How do I end this? How the fuck do you end this? I, supposed this to ask is, me a bunch of questions about I don't know weird. Well, I guess like for you, did other than like all the horrible things we've already talked about it, how did you generally feel about the episode? I recently watched the Snyder cut, and it's four hours long. And I was able to sit through that in one sitting. So <laughs> for a mystery, a mystery show probably shouldn't be 22 minutes, but they don't have enough written to take up all this time, which is how you get things like Jessica Fletcher trying to steal medical records and insisting that sheriffs fight suspects. Might be a good idea to challenge Sally Meston to an arm wrestling contest. I will say this is one of the worst episodes of the season, like bottom five for me. And that's that's a good thing because there was some good stuff in season one and we're going to have like our finale finale episode of the season to really talk more about the stuff. But this is truly the only way we could end season one on a low, 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 low note. Because what else was I expecting? The show doesn't give you what you want. It gives you what it wants. And I'm okay with that because at this point, it's like a masochistic (laughs) thing. I will say from IMDb TV, it started autoplaying Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction afterwards. And uh, if you guys need a side show, I would definitely recommend that. That's uh, Jonathan Frakes, Frakes. right? Ever gone mountain biking? What do you want to be when you grow up? What's the right tip? Have you called a plumber to your home lately? How superstitious are you? How much money would it take to make you spend a night in a cemetery? But 11 years of this, I don't know, you guys. You know, like when you're at an arcade and you're playing a really fucking hard game, but you're get, you're just killing it. You're doing a good job. You're getting through the highs and lows and you run out of quarters and it's the quarter eating like final boss and it fucking wipes your account and it get, you get to the continue. Yes or no. And you know there's 11 more levels and 240 <laughs> more bosses. You're probably going to say no. <laughs> like, that's, it was like, I want to press yes, but that was a hard, hard, Personal hard. brag, I got to the end of the Simpsons arcade game at a roller skate place, so. They're always at a roller rink. They're always at a roller rink. So, yeah. So, that's Funeral at 50 Mile. Uh, we got to do our housekeeping mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what was so we have Jeff, we have the bumbling humor hour, which is a moment, a line, a scene, a character that is so f- funny, fantastico, that sort of helps in make the episode so much richer and better for you. I didn't come prepared with one, but I've got one in my head, and you might expect it would be uh, Jessica insisting that the sheriff arm wrestle. It's actually uh, Dolly Parton's face when she's being accused of everything at the end by Jessica, <laughs> she's making. So many wild facial expressions, and they are all, yes, I'm guilty, I admit it all, even without saying anything. It's just like, like scared agreement. Like, yes, I did call Las Vegas for my fake marriage license. And I, this is an audio show, so you can't see it, but she says, she's uh, doing, gulp. She says gulp. She's doing so much face face acting in that uh, that I would I would say that is my bumbling humor hour and the other candidates i have are when she sees the news and says i do believe i'm making someone nervous great uh and also when she leaves the um barn crime scene intact for the sheriff or marshal man to see it he goes yep that's a dead body <laughs> anyway <sighs> okay i've seen it let's get it down where's his wife those are great choices as well I'm gonna. Mine's gonna be when Carl Meston is in the barn during the storm. Because I don't know why he's in there, 
It's this bizarre long take of a guy crawling up a ladder, hunkered down in an attic, like looking around, and then it just cuts away. It's a really great encapsulation of the real bumbling humor. Yeah. Exactly. We're like, I don't know why we're seeing this. Why are we seeing this? To be frank, does not come back. Does has no bearing on anything. Our last uh tie to right-handedly ambidextrously tie is uh who would you keep uh, most of these characters hopefully we will never see again but uh if we could keep one character return in some form or fashion down the line who would we keep i i would like to keep the dolly parton lady she you know leaves at the like three-fourths mark uh never to be seen again she just leaves after like her ruse is up but i would like to see her return and be like the moriarty <laughs> Of Jessica <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, where like she just keeps popping up in different stories, and Jessica has she's not she's never the guilty party of a murder, but she's always got some scheme. Damn you, Miss Fletcher! I, well, I, that's not her accent, obviously. But, Damn you, Miss Fletcher! I was about to make my millions. Like just always a foil in whatever episode. Never like an out and out evil. That would have been a good like if she was like a Black Widow character. Or so, like a Black Widow archetype a little bit more. Hmm. Anyway. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. <laughs> Look, folks, my cupboard's bare. Anyway, I got tired of sitting out in that RV all by my lonesome. Are you a good ranch foreman? Maybe we could work it out that you can stay on after I take over. Jake, do you have, we- a, do you have a who would you keep? Maybe Mary? I thought she was She's kind so of boring. She, her, at least her performance, I'll just give her this, was pretty subdued and simplistic and believable. But why would you have anything to do with Meston anyway? All the times I heard his name mentioned around here by Dad or Uncle Tim, it was obvious they hated the man. It was very... It was there. I'll say on Mary, she has the look of an 80s actress who, like, this was her big break, and it did not break big. But she spent the next five years chasing that high, and I feel terrible for her, even without knowing her story. That was (laughs) Meryl Streep, as it turns out, but I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I... This also is incredibly tough for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess for the, I'm going to pick Mary. I think her character was boring, but the gal, I thought she did a pretty good job. And to Jeff's point, like it's clear that this could have been something for her if she went, like she had a little more oomph to her performance. She's not like great, but she's, that's the thing is nobody is. So she is the best of the meh. Uh, Best of the man. You are on my mind, you are in my hair, and you're on my nerves. So until you have your name on a deed to this place, I want you off of my land. You can stomp your little manure-coated feet all day, kiddo. I'm not budging till Carl's murder is caught. All it's not her fault. No, right? but I like think her, her... Uh, her part was written by a bunch of disgusting white men who want to just write about a rape and a lynch, apparently, uh, and make the and make the four men who do that seem like really charming. Like they make the characters who are the most horrible seem like endearing, and so, like somehow Doug Demodome, who is horrible, is like supposed to be billed as like somebody you're supposed to like. Oh, there's a, oh you gotta you gotta have me back for the Magnum PI one. I'm so excited about the Magnum okay. PI. Uh, also, Jessica Walter, rest in peace, is a guest star on both of those crossover episodes. Oh, nice. In yeah. Road? Yeah, she's one of Jessica's friends on the show. And the plot, as I understand it, is they go to Hawaii for a vacation and get wrapped up into a mystery with Magnum P.I. And then Magnum returns the favor by traveling to Cabot Cove for some other mystery. I, I have smell, not seen I episodes. smell a good episode in our future. See, that's the thing, Jake, is... <laughs> yeah, in 14 more years, we'll finally have our good episode. The only thing we're hoping for is something goofy again. Because that sounds... I can imagine Jessica Walter and Magna P.I. in one episode. 
Ruby Fletcher. Someone told me you'd be here. I'm Jane Dawson. How do you do, Miss Dawson? Well, that's going to do it for season one, episode 23, and season one of Murder, She Wrote. It really wrapped up all the season-long arcs in a satisfying <laughs> way while still planting the seeds of future seasons. I really thought they got the evil Morty twist really strong in this season. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought the funniest shit was when she turned into Pickle Jessica. Uh, that Bird was great. Man, are those are Pickle Rick jokes still funny? They're funny to me. <laughs> Does anybody remember that show, even though it's coming out now? Where's my, my sauce, my funny sauce, McDonald's? I'll murder you all. <laughs> I want Szechuan sauce. Where's my sexual sauce? I'm Rick! Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being on. It was a pleasure having you as our guest. I loved it. We'll definitely have you back for the Magnum P.I. crossover episodes. I think we can lock you in yes. for those. Yes, I mean, as long as I don't have to actually watch this show ever again, I will gladly be another guest. Well, see, here's the thing. <laughs> Not going to be able to do it. Ah, oh, damn it. This is like hot ones for us. We've done it multiple times, and we're just numb at this point, and our enjoyment comes out the of you experiencing it for the first time. The for you anymore. Yeah, we are Sean Evans. I should probably stop drinking a full gallon of milk every time we watch an episode. That's probably, <laughs> we should probably talk about what we're doing so on our show. So we will be doing, although this is the end of season one of Murder, She Wrote, we are going to be doing the... First annual... The first Lansbury Jamboree, which is going to be where we give out our top five lists of certain categories. We will not be telling each other our lists. We are going to surprise each other as we talk about it. Uh, I can actually pull up the categories right now. Yeah, I was, was going to say, we should list off the categories. The categories for the Lansbury Jamboree are top five murderers, the top five lieutenant detective men, the top five who would you keep characters, the top five bumbling humor hour moments, and the top five episodes of season one we will be doing the lansbury jamboree uh to wrap up season one and then we will be taking a break from murder she wrote for a while to for a very long while we, i'm sure our me- <laughs> we have aged in real time i know you can't see pictures of us because this is a podcast but jake and i damn near look 40 now take a break uh, for quantum leap that's what i'm saying <laughs> I will say too, like f- we really appreciate the fans of the pod. We've gotten a lot of really sweet messages, a lot of great uh, fans of the show reaching out to us. Um, we really, it's been such an amazing journey so far. Jake and I never imagined we would uh, not only still be doing this, but be doing this and having this much fun. Uh, but yeah, season two, it's going to be a little while. We need a little breaky break, but we promise you it will be something. It will. It will happen. There, and it, it will be, be there. It will be something that happens. And by the level of our, uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be rough. Gonna be, it's it's going to be, be rough. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be, be great. great. They all join forces and everything. And the Goongas battle the droids in this huge kind of war and peace battle. Yeah, that's great. It's going to be great. That's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's great. It's going to be great. That's going to be great. I'm sad I'm going to have to wait so long as a fan. You have twenty. You have 23 hours of us talking about a show we generally don't want to be watching. I think I think there's <laughs> there's there's enough there's enough Jakey and Spence to spare for the world so far. <laughs>